listeners, you are listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and ExcellentCultures.com. My name is Zach Andrew. I am your host, as always, and with me is the long-term genius and inimitable Steve Gandra. Yeah, I'm kind of getting worn out on that. You're not very. Ex- title. You're not very we're, excited today, Steve. We've got to. We've got to come up with a different term other than inimitable. Yeah, we're in show two recording today, and in between shows, I'm checking emails and frantically trying to get work done. And Steve comes out and he goes, "We need to come up with something other than inimitable." And inimitable, inimitable is just. And I was like, old. "Well, it's not going to happen today." <laughs> not going to happen on this show. Today, you are inimitable. Well, we have an inimitable guest all the way from Chicago. Absolutely. All the way from Chicago this afternoon. Chicago, Illinois. Do you want to tell us a little bit about her? Yes, I will. Uh, I've known Jennifer Convery for a few years. Uh, Jennifer first reached out to us at Excellent Cultures a few years ago when uh, she was looking to really improve her culture at uh, Griffith Laboratories. You'll hear a lot about their business. Laboratory. Does yeah, it have anything to do with Frankenstein? Well, that's the way, no, like... that, no, that's the way you say it when you're in the UK or you're in Canada. Oh. It's Griffith so we're in Labs. Seattle and in, Chicago. In Seattle, so we why say are Griffith, we... <laughs> Griffith Labs. Griffith Labs. So tell us, what's Griffith? Well, well, we'll let her tell us. Jennifer that. will tell okay. it much better than So you than keep I talking can. about Jennifer. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Jennifer is a brilliant woman CEO. Uh, when I first met her, she was the CEO of their uh, U.S. division. Now she's in charge of all of uh, North America and uh, has just done a phenomenal job of building a high-performance culture that has just set record after record after record. Uh, we'll get her to talk in a second about what she's done with her people, what her leadership team has done, uh, what they've done with their local best places to work, uh, surveys, the kind of uh, numbers that they've turned around in a very positive way. Hi, Jennifer. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? You're giving me a promotion there, Steve. <laughs> awesome. And, and I, we don't have a clap no, track. That's so right. That's you, right. You're the, you're the, sorry about that. You're the president, but we're yes. affirming your next position. Oh, wonderful. Well, there we go. And it's also U.S. and Mexico at this point. But U.S. and Mexico. Is, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. isn't that all of North? Oh, that's right. Canada's well, part of North America, too. Well, Canadian division. Yeah. So U.S. and Mexico. With yeah. the Canadian division. Yeah. With the Canadian division. There yeah. we go. So, uh, Jennifer, tell our listeners some about you, the work you do, about Griffith, the work that you guys do, how you grew from a family business to a global footprint. Anything you want to say, our, our listeners love to hear about companies and how they grew and what they're doing and leaders and what they're doing. Uh, sure, absolutely. So uh, Griffith Laboratories uh, is a family-owned business. Uh, we have been in business over 95 years, actually getting closer to 100. Uh, it is definitely, um, you know, completely family-owned but professionally run. And uh, we really have uh, had great leaders within our organization. You had Dean Griffith, um, who was our third generation, who really brought our business global. Uh, We're in 18 different uh, countries. Uh, In addition to that, you know, Brian Griffith, our fourth generation, who's the vice chairman, who really um, not only supports the whole global um, initiative, but sustainability, and is uh, really bringing our culture and and awareness of our communities to, to a whole new height for us, so it's, it's very exciting. Our actual business is we help uh, develop seasoning and liquid blends for customers. So we work um, with them with our superior food science and technology, with creative innovation, um, and come up with products that they then bring to market. So it's, um, 
it's very business to business, and we're there to support uh, their uh, efforts uh, to please the consumer. So most likely if you've had products, whether it's a quick service restaurant, a casual diner, a retailer, um, branded product, we probably have been involved in some way. So a lot of people never even realize that there's companies that, that actually do this, you yeah. know, make great product. It's new to me. So can you talk about some examples of some of the seasonings or blends without giving away any trade secrets? Um, yes, I mean, we do keep a lot of that very confidential. A lot of our um, relationship and work that we do, it's, it's um, about formula security and, and such uh, for, for those customers, but... You know, for example, if you eat any sausage out in the marketplace, most likely we're involved with it. Or if uh, rotisserie chicken, for example, if you go into a lot of the retailers and you pick up one of those great chickens, most likely we worked with them. Uh, there's a lot of branded products uh, out there in the marketplace. One of our um, closest customers, Hillshire Farms, we work with them on all the Jimmy Dean products that you've probably had over the years. Yes, so- I ate Jimmy Dean sausage this morning. Very good. I'm very <laughs> proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we really build these strategic relationships, uh, really understand where they headed in the marketplace, what are they trying to accomplish, and then uh, work with their R&D, marketing teams, purchasing plants, et cetera, to uh, make sure we can bring that product alive for them. So it's a lot of fun. And that's probably why I've been with Griffith for over 20 years now, which I can't believe. But um, I started when I was really young. So Started when you were just out of diapers. There you go. There you go. So, so. Uh, Jennifer, with all of the international footprint that you you know that you all have, uh, how do you how do you make the switch from like mm-hmm. maybe spices and extracts in Latin America or China or someplace that's different than than what's going on in the United States or even in North America? Is it customized for you know for every single market and every single client? Oh, that's a great question. Um, What we sort of call is about global reach, local support. So it really, one, depends on what the customer wants. We have certain customers that want uh, the same gold standard product everywhere they are. And if that's the case, then we have to work very diligently with our sensory, et cetera, mapping the profile out, making sure that, indeed, we're getting as close as possible in every market. Because each market has different regulatory um, concerns or, or limitations, so we'll have to work with that, but but because we are a global company, we've been in those markets, we truly understand those laws, regulations, and more importantly, what does the consumer want. So in some cases, we're trying to match the product for um, the end user, whoever that is. In other cases, um, they want more local appeal. So you may have a product here that um, is maybe Tex-Mex, but when we go down to Mexico or something, it might be more of a Chipotle that they're looking for. So we will take a product, and they may ask us to localize it more for the flavor um, in, you know, in that marketplace. So it just depends really on what the customer is looking for. And that's why from a sales standpoint, it's just a lot of fun because we can give them what they want. Yeah, that's it's not sounds, like sounds I say, wonderful. hey, this is my box of whatever I'm selling you. It's not like that at all. We can give you the same. We can change it up. We can, you know, what what is it you're looking for, and let us, you know, take care of that for you. So it's got to be healthy, compliant with local laws and national laws and regulations, and taste good. Yes, it has to be food safe. Um, absolutely, 
healthy. There's times it depends what the customer wants, right? Some people love fried fried food. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be one it's of them. Really, and, and we'll work on all. We do try our, you know, very hard to be wholesome and innovative and um, come up with ways, for example, to lower sodium or reduce fat, um, you know, issues like that. But seasonings in general tend to be quite natural. Um, so, But we'll work with the customer and look at what their consumer base wants. About how many people does the company employ now, Jennifer? Uh, about 3,500. Okay, so 3,500. In how many countries did you say 20? Uh, well, we have production. We have 18 different uh, production facilities. We actually are in 26 different countries. Wow! So 26 mm-hmm. countries, 18 mm-hmm. different production facilities, and yes. 3,500-ish people, um, all working on food that you love to eat. Yeah, yeah. Well, we love to eat most of it. Truly, so. I'm yes, I'm a big fan of everything that's not sweet. Well, there you go. Yeah. We're, savory, <laughs> we're a savory company. Nice. So, you yeah. know what? You are right. In I'm our, a fan. Uh, yeah. I'm a big fan of everything that's spicy. And, yeah, you, you know, are. I feel I like, like I need to lose weight right now if I worked for you guys and I did, was like a taste tester. <laughs> that might be a problem. I, I will tell you, we call it the Griffith 10. Uh, <laughs> when, when you first start out and, uh, and you join us, we do have a lot of sensory panels, consumer panels, et cetera. And, it is an awful lot of fun, um, you know, to be in that environment. But you, you soon learn that you have to do a lot of exercise, too. Yeah, you know, I to, would guess. Uh, sort of take care of the situation. You don't have, yeah. like, stationary bikes in there while they're tasting that they just keep <laughs> pedaling away or something. You know, I haven't gotten to that, but we just recently uh, approved putting in a big walking path and awesome. an area outside. So maybe that will help. That's us. pretty cool, actually. We're going to go into our first break, Jennifer, but we're sure. happy to have you on the show and uh, excited that you're here. All right, everybody. Uh, you're obviously listening to a great show today. Go right now. Judge, check your culture. Not judge your culture, but check your culture against 500 of the best in America at excellentcultures.com slash biz, B-I-Z, culture, M-R-I. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy, to-do list, done, supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better, that politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, 
And everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back with Biz Culture Matters and ExcellentCultures.com speaking with Jennifer Convery, the president of the U.S. and Mexico divisions of Griffith Laboratories, headquartered in Chicago. Jennifer was telling us before the break about their global footprint countries yeah. all over the world. Hey, before you get to the important questions, Jennifer, as yeah. quick as you possibly can, White Sox or Cubs? Boston Red Sox. Oh, <laughs> yes. Awesome. I'm sorry, I'm from the East Coast. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. I love it. Anybody but the Yankees, as far as we're concerned out here in Seattle. So awesome. Okay, getting out of the important That was stuff. the important That was question. the important <laughs> that was the She important had the best question. answer ever. So, well, my husband and three boys would tell you that. I mean, if I wasn't a Red Sox fan, I'd be in big trouble out here. So it's not much of a choice. Awesome. I guess. So, Jennifer, uh, tell us about your you know your your vision for the kind of culture that you want to build and sustain in in your organization and a little bit about you know your your culture story cuz our listeners just love to hear about organizations like yours that are as successful as you are and you know have gone from goodness to greatness in in their their culture acumen okay okay well i think um to begin with, within Griffith Laboratories, we have a very strong value system, and that value system, um, it really is a global system, and we might all take the values and just, you know, describe them a little bit different based on the, the culture of that country, but it, it was really about delivering results, building customer success, behaving like owners, act like family, work together globally, you know, and make the future better, and that's always been our motto and, and, and the culture that we, you know, the values are, are, are based on. But I think um, what happened to us, somehow, somehow we were getting lost really with uh, accountability, I believe is really what it came down to. And when I became uh, president about eight years ago, we kept having to put out fires. And um, it really didn't allow us to get to sort of that long-term strategy, making sure that we were going in the right direction. And I think truly it had to do um, w w with the culture. And what I realized is if we weren't going to get that right, the fires were going to keep coming, or I, I just wasn't the right leader um, for the organization. So um, at that point, actually, that's when I reached out to you guys and actually a couple other companies. But after seeing your program and and what you could bring, it just it really matched up to what we needed. Um, and when I say that is what I, what I liked um, with Culture Index is you got hard cold results and numbers. And you know I'm a P and L person. I'm a person who loves measurement. I like numbers, and it really allowed us to see as an organization, you know, sort of ouch, um, this isn't what we want to be, and this is where we're currently at. How do we get? you know, from the spot we're in to where we need to go. And um, and it starts with the leader. 
and leadership team. And, and if we weren't accountable to that and realizing we need to develop better, we needed to change a lot of our behavior, then it wasn't going to work throughout the rest of the organization. And I think that's really where it started, and I think that was about four years ago, right, Steve? Yes, and, you know, one of the things that I, I notice and have always admired in your style as a leader that I want you to comment on is kind of what you just said, that uh, to to really cause powerful positive change to happen, it's something that people have got to want to do. It's not something that you can mandate and get big breakthroughs with. It's something mm-hmm. that people have got to want to do in the way that, that you you led your culture transformation, for lack of a better way to describe it, was by, uh, I, I still remember the day when you asked me to put your data up in front of everybody mm-hmm. and be very transparent about your own ouch points and where you could improve and where you wanted to improve. And, you know, it was just amazing when that transparency came through to your people, how they jumped on board, all of your leaders jumped on board and wanted to do the same thing and, uh, you know, followed your lead from, you know, one, one step to the next. Is that, is that style something you've always believed in or you just kind of learned as you got through, you know, years of leading lots of people? Well, I mean, I've always been a very direct person. I've always been very competitive, whether it's sports or, or whatever, and I think if that's the way you are, you have to realize the discipline has to come from within. You have to recognize you have strengths and weaknesses, and that's okay. You know, I mean, we all have to work on things, and I just find if I'm open, if I'm very open about my circumplex and, and what that told me and are more of less of meetings and what they wanted me to do more of and what they wanted me to do less of, it helped me get better. And I just look at it that way. I mean, every day I get a bet, I try to be a better leader. And so I take it as a gift and something that others can help me even be better at. And that's really what the team did on those. Um, I don't know if you've ever talked to more or less of meetings before, but, you know, when, when they sit down, they said, Jennifer, we want you to write even more letters. We want you to do more recognition. We want you to do more town halls, communicate. In front. It was like, okay. I mean, I thought I was probably already going overboard, but the organization told me, hey, no. And what they told me to do less of was, you know, you're sort of controlling. And if we come to you with a problem, you love to dive in. That's your style. And we sort of want to be empowered and to handle it. I said, okay, great. You know, now that I know that, just make sure you follow up with me. So we sort of set up these um, d- different rules of engagement, so to speak. And it's really fun when you can see, you know, with Excellent Cultures program, that circumplex, when you can see your scores were this, and then they – go to something different, and you can see that that's helping the organization, and then you see it with the results that come from it, the financials. Wow. You know, I, I do think it's completely connected. I mean, how couldn't it be? Yeah. One of the things that, I, again, I noticed with your leadership style and your people and your organization was uh, once you got on board and you kind of set the tone of authenticity and, you know, essentially willingness to share your own ouch points, you know, your own mm-hmm. areas Absolutely. where you, we, you could improve, uh, your people jumped on board and they did it because, you know, they wanted to. One of our, one of the mm-hmm. uh, show's uh, guests that we've had on the show before, uh, Dr. Bruce Avolio here at the University of Washington Foster School of Business is quoted as the top authority on transformational leadership in the world. Mm-hmm. And when he was on the show, he shared with us that the 
the biggest area or the main area where any kind of development or change initiative fails is lack of ownership. And, mm-hmm. and, and so many people, you know, so many leaders think, well, if we just explain the X's and the O's and here's the benefits and here's what's going to be better with this new change, that uh, people own it, but they might own it intellectually, but they don't own it emotionally. And mm-hmm. what you did was you found a way uh, for your people to own it emotionally through your authenticity and, uh, you know, and obviously you can be as authentic as you want to, but if you don't take the advice that they give you and you just kind of pass it away and don't make those kind of changes, uh, it goes away pretty fast. Well, absolutely. I mean, your actions have to follow your words. And if they don't, people call you out immediately. And now what's great in our culture is, you know, someone will come in my office and they'll start telling me, you know, of a situation and they just put their hand up like a halt sign, a stop sign, which is great, which just means, Jennifer, don't act. I just want to hear, you know, I just want to share this with you. I want to get some ideas from you, but I want to own this. Um, and, and so when people feel that they're comfortable enough to give you that feedback, um, then I'll see them a week later and I'll do a little circle with my finger like, uh, you forgot to follow up or I needed your follow up. I just think it's it's very genuine. It's easy ways of communication. It's opening up things to. They don't have to be confrontational. You know, it's just good feedback. And especially in the Midwest, I have found um, I'm a New Yorker, right at heart. So giving people feedback, good or bad, it's just it's critical. And you're doing somebody injustice, I think, if you're not giving them the bad feedback with the good feedback, like in giving them exact examples. When we were in this meeting, this is what I saw, you know, and this is what happened because of that. So they can really relate to, oh, I did this, and this was the so what. Now, maybe next time if they change their style just a little bit differently, maybe use words differently, they're amazed at the results that they can get. So we do a lot of live coaching is, I guess, what I would call it, and it's um, very beneficial for me for my team and our whole organization at this point. Well, one of the things that we spend a lot of time coaching leaders on and talking to leaders about, you know, you call it an accountability culture, which I think is a wonderful name. So many leaders, when they uh, think of that term accountability, they they think that what that means is, well, I'm the boss and I'm going to tell you what to do. And or I'm going to give you your job description and then I'm going to hold you accountable to do it. And uh, what it sounds like you've demonstrated so well, which is something that every boss should seek if, in fact, they're looking for the highest performing people, is people coming into your office and raising their hand and saying, wait a minute, I want to be accountable for this. Please hold me accountable. And mm-hmm. bosses listening to this, if, if if you don't have folks coming into your office raising their hand like Jennifer just described and saying, please hold me accountable for this, then you don't have a culture of accountability. Or worse, you have a culture of restrictive accountability where people really aren't accountable because they're not owning what's really going on. Right. Yeah. And I think as leaders, you have to allow them to really own it. I mean, that was some of the feedback that we had received is that we had such a strong leadership team that we weren't always empowering individuals that worked for us to, to take it and run with it and allow some risk. And um, we've really taken that to heart and had a lot of different individuals from different departments, different levels, uh, running different programs so that they can, one, get that experience, and two, they, they, they do. They want to be accountable for it, but you have to allow for that, too. It's your style that either 
makes it restrictive or not. Fabulous. We got to go into another break, Jennifer. Thank you for uh, your time. Again, this is super valuable. Uh, guys, Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Send us a question right now. Ask the experts at excellentcultures.com. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list done. Supersonic growth. But over time, the sharp edge gets dull, and good is good enough. Why? Because companies forget that bigger is not always better. That politics crush people, innovation, and creativity. And before you can say rotten corporate culture, social media posts are infecting your business. The answer? It's not just your corporate strategies, it's your corporate culture. Excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast. These guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, Excellent Cultures can bring you back to awesome, because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms. They go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back at excellentcultures.com and Biz Culture Matters on the air with Jennifer Convery from Griffith Laboratories out of Chicago and the world. Before the break, Jennifer was talking about how they've accomplished uh, what she labeled a culture of accountability uh, with her team. And the way she described that culture of accountability was with, you know, from a behavioral perspective, people coming into her office, raising their hand, saying, you know, boss, please hold me accountable for this. So we're all familiar with the new Gallup survey, new as of October of last year, that told us the same thing that the last Gallup survey told us two years ago, that in America, 70% of our workers are effectively disengaged. This year, the poll went so far as to tell us that 18% actually said they hated their jobs, and the most common reason they hated their job was they hated their boss. So obviously, that's not the case at Griffith. Jennifer, can you give you know the leaders who are listening some advice, some tips on how they can accomplish a true or a culture of true engagement? 
Well, I think you have to be a good listener um, and really understand what it is your workforce is looking for. How do you make it a great place to work? Um, and how do you make sure that each individual can understand your strategy? How are you going to market? And more importantly, how do they play a role in that? What is their role? Um, because each position is critical. You just have to figure out how it's critical. Make sure that that person is engaged by knowing, I make a difference to this company. I make a difference to our P&L. I make a difference to our customer and the consumer. And really making sure that each individual can relate to how, what, what is their role within our company. How are they hopefully proactively making a difference so that the consumer can be, you know, make, make the world's food better. I mean, that's our tagline, make the world's food better. So I think um, we did a much better job of, of making sure that individuals really thought that through and that each role had some line of sight to the consumer or the customer, for that matter. So, so many leaders that are listening to you right now are thinking, yeah, I understand this. This is clarity of expectations. Yeah. Inspect what you expect. Yet, I, I don't think that, that the majority of leaders, and if they did, we wouldn't have 70% disengaged employees. Mm-hmm. I don't think the majority of leaders understand the unique piece of the bu- puzzle that you laid out earlier is that you've accomplished this clarity of expectations with a culture of voluntary accountability, where one of the Gallup terms is folks are giving their their discretionary effort, uh, the effort that they don't have to give to keep their job, but somewhere down inside they, they reach down and pull it up and contribute it just because they enjoy doing it, they want to do it, they have fun doing it, and it's a, not a warm and fuzzy or squishy kind of thing. It's accountability-driven, mm-hmm. uh, yet it's, it's, it's about the methodology probably that you've used to create this culture of accountability on a, you know, voluntary accountability as opposed to, you know, just writing down job descriptions, passing them out and saying, well, here's our expectations. Can you, can you share a little bit more about how you've used that guided self-discovery, for lack of a better way to describe it, to build ownership with your team? Well, you know, I think when the when we first did the Circumplex, and, you know, with Excellent Cultures, it was very clear that we were a pretty passive, defensive organization. Um, people were waiting for approval. Uh, they were sort of dependent, sort of avoidance. And so I think we had that type of culture um, there, unfortunately. Um, and so we knew we had to change it to constructive. And really the best way of doing that being humanistic and encouraging right, affiliative, uh, achievement, self-actualizing. When you start having your leaders of the company understanding that better, understanding what they need to work on, having those conversations with the people that work for them, this all starts relating, and you can begin to just see a whole change where then people, they're doing it because they want to do it. They're not just walking in the building because it's a job anymore, I, I don't think. I mean, people always say that to me. They come to think, gosh, there's such a great feel here. And, and, and what they mean is that we're, we're passionate about our business, we're passionate about our customers, but we're passionate about each other. And, and in that it's a great place to work. We respect each other. We treat each other with dignity. I mean, 
you know, while laying out, yeah, you you got to be accountable to what you're doing. But if you give people the right encouragement and feedback in the right way and the right tools and the toolkit and development, it will happen. And that whole development piece, we just realized we thought we were spending a lot of time in that area. But now I'd say 60% of my job is more about spending time with it, you know, with people and helping develop them and understanding what else do we need to do to make sure this is a great place to work and, and work on our culture and, and do these things. And that was a real change. You know, I, maybe 60 is high, but I don't think so. And, and so when, when people see that you care about them personally and professionally, it, it, it makes all the difference. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. You know, it just, I mean, I love going to work. And now I love it even more because Brian, with the whole sustainability, he's adding a huge purpose to us. So, you know, for example, our motto is to nutritiously feed people of need. We're a food company. I mean, we're now producing for hunger. Every plant, like at least that I manage right now, every plant's now engaged, associated with, for example, ALSA, our plant here is associated with the Chicago Food Depository. Mm -hmm. Atlanta's doing the Atlanta, you know, food banking. But we have opportunities for employees, whether it's producing for hunger, where we got our suppliers to even donate ingredients to do that, or we're doing the hunger walk, or there's a food drive, or we're allowing the employees to get connected any way that they choose. And, you know, it, that for me, being able to set all that up and realize the company wants me to do this, this is something, you know, it's fabulous. It gives me more of a purpose. I mean, I love running the company and making it a great place to work. But in addition, knowing I'm making a difference in the communities that we manufacture in or that we have offices in, wow. Yeah. Now we're taking it from inside the building and bringing those values outside the building. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Wow is a great way to describe it. So, so many leaders feel like culture is this warm and fuzzy thing that, you know, people are happy and it's kumbaya and we love each other and we're respectful and we're kind and, you know, we follow our values. But I hear you talking about things that are performance related, you know, achievement, Mm -hmm. people setting and achieving goals because they want to, not because the boss passes them out to them. Self-actualization, people working on continuous improvement and being all that they can be because they want to, not because you launched a continuous improvement process. Uh, you know, affiliative, teamwork, people, people, when there's a crisis, they run to huddles instead of silos and right. uh, and, and then caring about each other more than they do. What are you going to do for me just as a natural way of how they work? I mean, these are areas that aren't warm and fuzzy. They drive bottom line. They drive top line. They drive cost control. They drive revenues. They drive quality. They drive customer service. Uh, yet so many business leaders think a good culture is warm and fuzzy. What I hear you saying is is a good culture, sure, we have good values and we respect each other and we treat each other with dignity, but um, you're knocking the ball out of the park with your people in terms of, of you know, competition in the marketplace. Tell us a little well, bit I more mean, about it, how it, you got it's, there. It's a, lot, it's a lot more fun to win, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. It's warm and fuzzy when when when. When you're not putting out fires and you're focusing on proactively where we headed in the future, um, what's the next step? What other differentiation are we going to bring to the marketplace? What innovation can we focus on? 
that's a lot more fun to be part of than necessarily dealing with the quality issue. Or it's a lot more fun to be on stage getting the award for the best quality, you know, than it was to be in the doghouse. So, you know, and that's just, that's the truth. I mean, as a company, we have now taken that and looked at, you know, when things happen, you, you can either go, oh, my gosh, what was me? Or you can say, hey, how do we make this the best opportunity possible and make ourselves even stronger? Well, that one quality issue, we now have all 18 plants BRC certified A. You know, that's like British Retail Consortium. You take it and you say, you know what, as a company, let's be the best. Yeah. So you can either say, woe is me, I'm so sorry for myself, or you can say, hey, how do we look at this? How do we, one, how do you get help? How do you decide, okay, this is what we're going to do? And then you lay that plan out, you execute it, and then the results come. So it's a lot more fun. You're being proactive, you're headed in the right direction than, you know, sort of that passive, you know, what is it, the, you know, that passive defensive situation. Instead, take the criticism. Okay, I hear you. Thank you. You know what? What do I do about it? And I think that's where the warm and fuzzy isn't because when you're having these conversations with people, there's positives, but then there's also possibly the areas that people need to work on, right? And so it's not all warm and fuzzy, but it's about being honest, about being open. It's about saying, hey, you can be a stronger leader if, you know, or if those areas aren't as great, then surround yourself with people who have that so they can help you get there. It's very good. Absolutely imperative advice there. Um, Steve, do you have a lead-in to our next segment before we go to the break? Well, Jennifer, uh, while we're on the break, I want you to be uh, thinking about some of the breakthroughs that you've uh, accomplished, you know, with your team, you know, before in the earlier segment, you're talking about how you love numbers and measurement and you're a competitive person by nature and, you know, love to compete and love to improve. Uh, you guys have accomplished some great things in terms of awards and significance and percentage improvements and top line and bottom line after the break. Uh, we want you to share with our listeners some of what you've accomplished with this culture that you've built that is, as you labeled it so well, uh, a culture of accountability, Absolutely. Tr- true accountability. Absolutely. All right, guys, we're going into our last break. Prepare yourself for the last segment of today's show. You're listening to Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM and com. Assess your business culture right now with our free MRI, excellentcultures.com slash bizculturemri. We'll be right back. Remember when your company was awesome? It was you against the world. Successful strategy. To-do list. Done supersonic growth but over time the sharp edge gets dull and good is good enough why because companies forget that bigger is not always better that politics crush people innovation and creativity and before you can say rotten corporate culture social media posts are infecting your business the answer it's not just your corporate strategies it's your corporate culture excellent companies know that bad culture eats great strategies for breakfast these guys really get it. Whether you're a family biz or a Fortune 500, or a new biz and want to get it right, 
excellent cultures can bring you back to awesome because they get it. What they know for sure? You don't need another consultant. Excellent Cultures gives you what you need to get what you want. Bottom line business results that last. How do they do it? With successful business leaders as coaches and proven scientific data. They read your company's culture from inside out. Think MRI. They give you fast, accurate bottom line tactics. They don't treat symptoms, they go for the cure. Based on science, they reveal the hearts and minds of your people using proven and concise data, not warm and fuzzy psychobabble. And here's the kicker. You get supervisors who coach and inspire, workers who love their work, and everyone, that's everyone, not just the boss, takes ownership and accountability. It just doesn't get much better than this. And if you're wondering if Excellent Cultures works, just ask a few of their grads. Don't let the culture monster eat your strategy for breakfast. Check it out for some free advice from one of their experts now or start it yourself with their complimentary online business culture MRI. We're back with Biz Culture Matters and excellentculture.com talking to Jennifer Convery the president of the United States and Mexico divisions of Griffith Laboratories, headquartered in Chicago. And Jennifer was, uh, before the break, telling us about the culture of accountability, as she called it, that she and her team have built in their organization. And we are asking her to, you know, catalog for us. I know that you've uh, become a, a, a best place to work. Uh, can you tell us some of the things that just cold, hard, numbers-driven business people would only care about, Jennifer, that your team has been able to accomplish since you decided to build this culture of accountability? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think what we're most proud of is being one of the top 100 companies in Chicago. Um, for us, there's only three other companies that, ha- that include manufacturing with that. So that means not only the whole office part of the building, but the entire plant um, with it and all those workers. And, and for us, it's a, it's a really um, tough achievement to, to um, attain, and we've been, we've been able to do that. And that for us is just a lot. We have so much pride around it, to, to be quite frank. And it just because we're judging ourselves versus the outside. Uh, when you're a privately held company, successful, it's very easy to sort of stay inward. And so I think always making sure from the outside and, and making sure that this is a place that people would want to come work. It's a great place to work. You know, there's opportunity. There's development. There's, you know, they, they judge you in so many different ways. Um, but, but to achieve that, I, I would say in our mind that that was sort of the... Um, That's a top achievement. Yeah, it's a nice, a nice little trophy to get. Um, and I like it most again, just because we're we're being judged versus other companies, and it helps me to be able to see the areas, and they give you information that's just unbelievable. You can see by department, gender, age, etc., and so you can see areas. You know, people, for example, they really want Jeans Friday, and now guess what? We have Jeans Fridays, but because we earned it, um, you know, we just said, look, if we keep this up and it goes well, then. Guess what? We'll do it. And so we're trying to listen. I mean, I know that sounds little, uh, but for us and the culture we had, that was sort of a big deal at corporate to wear jeans, to be honest with you. But we heard that it was important. 
And so I think listening, uh, we, we've done well. We've, we've grown our revenue and, and our um, profit significantly. And so I think we've been able to get back to the organization uh, very well, which has allowed capital dollars to go into our plants. Um, our plants are beautiful. They, they are, um, you know, for, for their, their age, they are so well maintained. We're doing the right types of investments for food safety, employee safety, putting in the robotic palletizers, for example, because that's the right thing to do. And, and we, we just really work very hard to make sure that what we're doing What's the so what? You know, will this be sustainable? What are the different areas, people, planet, uh, performance? Will this affect all of that? And, and that's really how we look at everything now. So whether it's developing a product for the customer or investment, um, that's really how, that's the lens we use now. It's, it's, it's through that sustainability lens and, and really with an accountable uh, culture. And, and then we make decisions. Well, people, planet, and performance are great categories. And yeah. so many times with uh, leaders and organizations, what we'll see is uh, you got the people and planet guys, and then you've got the performance guys. And the performance guys could care less about people and planet. They're just mm-hmm. looking for the bottom line. Uh, and the people and planet guys are really into people and planet. And uh, the performance guys kind of laugh at them because they don't hold a candle to the performance guys in terms of performance. And it sounds like you guys are doing all three. Well, I, I, I actually, yes, I think we do all three. But if you don't focus on the people side first, you're not going to get the other. Yeah, two. very well said. I it just, in my mind, pe- people are first. And when you're doing that right, and you're treating people well, and you're making sure that um, the direction of the company's clear, their voice is heard. They can be accountable. You take care of compensation, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's, if you have happy people, you'll get happy results. I, I really think that. And I'm not saying warm and fuzzy, but if people feel like they can contribute and make a difference and, and they feel that they can be um, professionally and personally that they can develop, that we're sensitive to the fact that people have families and they have other commitments and, and, and you can work with people, um, through good times with their health and through bad. And, you know, you have to be a person. It's not just a business. It's about us. It's the culture. It's, it's how do you help each other out during a time like that? And, and I've seen a lot of that. You know, if someone gets cancer, unfortunately, okay, people step up. We do things, and we try to help and make sure that person's getting the meals they need, that they're getting the medical support. And, oh, by the way, we're taking care of the job in the meantime. Yeah. But it'll be here for you when you get back. Yeah, isn't that so very accurate? Was uh, if you, if we're looking at the news, even as we record the show, uh, General Motors has been uh, cited recently for all kinds of recalls that never got recalled in the investigation. Uh, is USA Today, you know, quoted as saying that it's it was their culture. The culture was the problem, and. I know the the USA Today article quoted an individual, the individual who kind of did the assessment on what caused caused all these problems or these cars that were supposed to defective products that were supposed to be recalled and they weren't. They called it the you know the General Motors nod, where people would just nod their head. Yep, we know that that needs to happen. But as you described, that you know passive defensive culture, nod your head and smile, but then nothing happens. And then they went on to call. 
uh, caught with the General Motors salute, which was kind of a arms folded, closed off, just the opposite of the kind of listening. And, uh, you know, now you've got uh, Mary Barra, their new CEO, who hasn't, you know, been at the helm that long, um, having to apologize for this culture that's taking place mm-hmm. at General Motors. It's caused this huge problem when, in fact, uh, you know, and then we're listening to you talk about the great accomplishments that your team has had by putting uh, people first and yet not forgetting about performance, but putting people right. first um, such a great breath of fresh air. So, uh, Jennifer, I, I know the, the the accomplishment that we're most proud of you guys for here at Excellent Cultures, we're most proud of you guys for, is I remember when we first uh, started working with you, you had one particular customer that uh, the quality audits were not at all where they should be and, and you know, even to the extent where you're concerned about, you know, not not being able to keep this customer and not too long ago, uh, you were sharing with me how that particular customer had actually recognized your mm-hmm. firm as their supplier of the year. Wow, what an improvement from, you know, wondering if you can even keep the business to them acknowledging you as their supplier of the year and recognizing your team for that. They must be so proud. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and and quite frankly, what it comes down to is we learned better what we needed to do and how to do it. Now it's just all about staying ahead of the game. You know, it's about how how do we stay the best? How do we make sure that we're always pushing ourselves to the next limit? How do we bring to that customer ideas that they should be adding to their audit? Because, you know, hey, we think you might miss this. What do you think? And very open partnership. Um, and it's it's been fabulous. Um, there's no doubt about it. But I have to admit... I hate standing up on stages and getting awards because, you know what, you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I, I much prefer just earning the business every day and, and focusing on the results that, that we can do and never celebrating too hard, you know, and never getting too upset, just really staying sort of focused on the business and delivering or hopefully exceeding those customer expectations and the consumer's expectations. And if we do that well we're going to be in business for a whole another hundred years. I have no doubt. I'm with you on that. Like if we could hire doppelgangers to go pick up the awards for us. <laughs> well, it's just, you know, I mean, it, it's an honor. And please, you know, it is such an honor. I just, sometimes I, I never want to make sure that we get overconfident yeah. or lackadaisical. Yeah. And I just, you know, every day you have to earn it. And sometimes like that, I just find... That's what had happened to us in the past. We had gotten all these awards and thought we were great, and mm-hmm. boom, not, not as great as we thought. Yeah. So I'd much rather have, you know, just making sure it's right each day. Let's understand what's top in the industry, make sure that we're, you know, deploying that within our company, and, um, and, and then we'll do well. Right. And championship teams know that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. as, as soon as you win the championship, now's mm-hmm. when the real work starts. That's right. Right, you know. Uh, absolutely. You can just never take anything for granted. you got to work hard every day. Yeah, Chicago doesn't know that real well because they haven't had a championship in a while, but the Seahawks are teaching us how it's done. <laughs> well, <laughs> it was harsh the other yeah, day. Yeah, well, you can't say, oh, that, about, you can't say that about Boston. Oh, you got to give it to the Kings, though. They just, uh, you know, I know, what yeah. are you going to do? Yeah. But anyway, that was tough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as you talk about the sports teams, we uh, did a series of blog articles on the Seahawks uh, pre and post the uh, Super Bowl. 
and uh, you know, I thought what was quite unique that I a quality that I also recognized in your leaders, Jennifer, is and in you, uh, you know, people who love competition and love to compete. The you know before the well actually after the Seahawks victory in the Super Bowl, the Denver Bronco head coach's comment was, you know, we we ran into a buzzsaw. We don't know what happened, but we ran into a buzzsaw. And then before uh, the game. We actually uh, were listening to some of their player interviews when the reporters were asking them, you know, how do you feel about playing a team as good as the Denver Broncos? And their attitude was, we love great teams. I mean, the great teams bring things out of us, you know, the, when we mm-hmm. compete that we never knew was there before. Right. And I, I can remember talking to, to your leaders who used to see the quality auditors from your clients as the enemy, you know, the bad guys. Now they welcome them at the door. Usually they'll pick them up at the airport. Yes, that's right. Because not, they're really, no, they're appreciative. Absolutely. That they're coming and will spend two to three days with us because there's no doubt that they'll see things through a new set of eyeglasses, right, that um, maybe we didn't see. And if that can make us better and stronger, fabulous. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but they're coming up with suggestions on what can be mm-hmm. added, you know, to yes. the quality. Audit. You know, I mean, what, what kind of mm-hmm. difference is that? Right, uh, right. It's or huge. here's a suggestion to revise it that we actually think it makes it a bit tougher, but it's the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're down to about a minute, Jennifer. Can you put your coach's hat on for a second and just speak to business leaders that are out there listening, you know, listening on, you know, what can they do to really build this uh, accountability culture that you've defined a, you know, self-chosen accountability council, you know, a culture? Uh, what recommendations would you have for them? Just hire you, Steve. There you go, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks. That's the end of the show. (laughs) No, but what what are we going to tell them? Yeah. Um, You know, I don't profess to to be fabulous. I I think that the key is realizing each day you can become a better leader and in making sure that um, you're honest with yourself that you are a good listener. We were born with, you know, two ears and one mouth. Um, and, and, and to really look around and say, you know, do I allow for accountability? Do I reach out personally a lot? Do, do, do I really put people first? Do I, I don't know. I ask myself these types of questions all the time, but I never profess. I mean, each day we just try to get stronger. And um, I just, I, I'm always working on my own development um, our team building and whether I mean, and there's just so many great avenues you can do, whether it's strength finders or excellent cultures or, or, or other ways, um, you know, 360 feedback. There's ways to find out um, how are your actions affecting others and and openly asking for feedback. I, I do that quite often. You know, after me, I said, you know, help me understand. How did that go? Yeah. You know, um, and. It takes a while for people sometimes to have the courage to really give you the true feedback, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes they'll be like, well, you know, Jennifer, you were a little hard, you know. <laughs> it's yeah. like, okay, thanks for letting me know that. Um, but you just have to stay true to yourself, and, and your actions have to meet your words. Beautiful. So if you say you're going to do something as a company or as a leader, my, my deal is you better do it and do it really well. Beautiful. Um, so it all starts, I always look in first. If something's not going right, to me, that's on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. We've done something wrong to not allow the team, for whatever reason, to, to excel. Absolutely. And I'm always trying to figure out what is that. What, what, what detour was there or, or what hurdle was put in front of them 
that they couldn't tackle this, you know, uh, and I think that's, that, that's also a key. Jennifer, thank you so much. We appreciated having you on the show. Oh, well, thank you. And uh, we'll be rooting for the Red Sox for you until they play the Mariners. <laughs> and we'll hope that Chicago Bears have something out their sleeve this year. Okay, I hope I don't bring your audience uh, listening down, you know? <laughs> yeah, no way. This is awesome. You will not. Yeah. You, this was, has been a great show. All right, thanks so much. All right, bye-bye. Have a great night. All right, everybody, that's it. Biz Culture Matters on Clay 1180 AM. Get to the website right now and assess your own culture. Excellentcultures.com slash bizculturemri. We'll be back with you next week on Clay 1180 AM and excellentcultures.com.